0: In which we plan to complete the ninth pedic and begin the 10th and last pedic of the Masechet. We're dealing with Gezel HaGer, someone stole from a convert who has no uh, heirs, and he lied about the stealing and then admitted to it. So he has to give a principal, the fifth, and to, and he has to give that to the Ger, if the Ger is alive. If the Ger dies, then he has to give that money to the Kohen. He also has to bring in Asham and has to be in that order. He has to pay back the Keren of what he stole. And then he has to bring the Hashem. If he does it in the opposite order, it's no good. Uh, the Mishnah mentioned, Atanta Kesef le- le- These are Yehoyadiv. He was one of the 24 Mishmarot earlier than Yedaya. And so if he gives the money to Yehoyadiv and then the Korban to Yedaya, that's okay because it's in the right order. If it's in the other order and he gives the asham first to Yehoyadiv and Yehoyadiv slaughters it, then that's no good, and then he has to give another asham afterwards to Yedaya. If Yoyariv didn't slaughter it, they just gave it to Yoyariv, and he didn't slaughter it. And then Yedaya comes, so the, then the asham will have to be transferred to Yedaya. Yedaya will receive the money, and only then they will slaughter the asham, and that will be okay. My is going to expand on this. Uh, the baraita is not very clear, and the Gemara is going to explain it. The robber gives an Asham to Yo-Yariv, the earlier Mishmad, and then he gives the money to Yeda'ya. Uh, so uh, this is a problem, number one, in the order, but also that he's giving it to two different people, so who does it actually belong to? The Gemara will ask who was the current Mishmad when he gave it to them, because whoever is currently serving... Deserves to have it. Um, they get a piece of the meat, and they also divide the money. So, according to the Biuda, um, whoever has the Asham gets to gets to do the service. And so, uh, Yedaya, who got the money, he will have to give the money to Yehoyariv, and Yehoyariv will then uh um accept the money and then uh, do the asham offering um, so he's like the the uh, basis of the the uh, center of gravity is the asham that the kesef goes to the asham however <laughs> say the opposite whoever has the money in this case Yedaya, the second one has the money and so Yehoyadiv has to give over the sacrifice to Yedaya. and yedaya will will uh, they already got the money so that's good and then they could do the sacrifice and then that will complete his atonement. Now we ask what is the case? Asham Daya, If he gave the Asham to Yoyadiv when while Yo was in charge, and he gave the money to Yedaya when Yedaya was in charge, so each one deserves what they got because he gave it he gave the item to them when it was their watch. So Yedaya deserves to uh, keep the money and divide among themselves, and Yehoi deserves to uh, take the Asham meat and uh, split it up between themselves, as long as they make sure that the Asham is offered after the money was given. So then, in that case, you would not transfer one to the other. So the explains, we're talking about a case where yo Yariv was in charge. They were the mishmad of that week, and during that week, the robber gives the Hashem to Yo-Yariv. That's fine, that's his, but he gives the money to Yedaya while Yo-Yariv is still there. So, Rabbi Yudah says, since Yedaya is not in charge, they should not have accepted the money. They should have said, oh, we're not in charge this week. Give the money to Yoho Yadiv. Because they accepted it, we give them a fine and say, you have to give the money over to the other. And so that's why, in this case, you'd give the money. The money goes to the Hashem, because the one who got the Asham Yoho Yadiv, was in charge that week. The opposite. Uh, yo Yariv should not accept, have accepted the Asham. When the robber comes and says, here, here's my animal for Hashem, they should have said, did you give the money yet? No, we're not accepting this. First, pay the money. They should have instructed him the right thing to do. Since Yo Yariv did the wrong thing, so they get fined and they have to take uh, the, their, that animal that they got and give it to Yedaya, and Yedaya will, um, since they already accepted the money, they will offer the sacrifice and keep the meat. Okay, that's the makhluk, yeah, Tenya, Amar Ribi. we're going to have the three versions of this beraita in the name of Debi. This is Rebi Uda HaNasi, was explaining, Rebi HaNasi is a fourth, fifth generation, he's explaining the words of Rebi Uda from the fourth generation, the the Ribi Uda that we just saw. Two different Rebihudas. Uh So the B says, The mm-hmm. divide rebuilda, Im kadmu, bene ho yaribic ribu etta asham, Yazor vi avi asham achel viac ribuho, bene yedaya, the Zahohalo, Biyadan. beyadan. Rabbi limits the words of Rebi Uda and says when Rebi Uda says the one who has the money has to return the money to the one that has the animal, that's if the animal still was not slaughtered. They were waiting. Okay, then they can go ahead, now they got the money, and then they can slaughter it after. But if Binuha Yadib, who received the animal first, went ahead and they made and they sacrificed it, um and didn't have the money yet. Uh, then, then that's no good, right? That Asham is uh, in, in invalid Asham, and the robber will have to bring another Asham. And when they bring in the next Asham, they'll give it to Bnei Yedaya, who has the money. They already have the money, and then Yedaya will um will do will keep the money, and they'll and they'll keep the second Asham. And Halalu, meaning Yehoy Yehoyariv, the first watch. Well, um, keep keep what's theirs. No, they will keep the first Asham. We ask about keeping the first Asham. What is it good for? It's disqualified, so the the meat cannot be eaten. Asham pasulhu. If said the skin, the hide is still available for use, so Yehoyediv can keep it. So Yehoyediv, they did a wrong thing because they accepted an Asham without the money. Um, nevertheless, normally, if the Asham was alive, they would get the money first and then they say okay we have the money now we'll sacrifice it instead they sacrificed it first before getting the money no good they can keep the hide but the animal's no good and they cannot have the cannot eat the meat so then the robber has to bring a second asham and he will give that to the next uh, mishmada who already got the money and then they'll get the sa- ha- sacrifice and that will be valid tanya uda asham yahzir asham esel kesef. A second um, a gloss of the B on uh, the biuda is: if the Asham is around, then they should return the Asham. Uh, whoever has the Asham should give it to the second one who has the Kesef. Now this seems to contradict exactly what the Biudah said, because that was whole point was whoever has the money has to give it to the one who has the Asham. For the Biudah, Yachzir Kesef Esel Asham Itle. Hachabemayiskinan ki gondin fak mishmartod deyohariv velo tabu. Vakamashmalan da hule achilu gabayhu. Oh, the chidush is as follows: the guy gave his Asham to Yohariv, who was first. And Yehoyariv did not ask for the money the whole time until Shabbat when they were switched out. So normally Yehoyariv who got the Asham. they accepted it first. All right, well, they should have asked for the money first, but let's say they asked for the money later. So it's just say, okay, we want the money. In that case, as long as they request, put in a request for the money, then uh, the next guy, uh, Yedaya, will have to give Yehoyariv the money. But here, since they didn't, uh, they didn't even ask for it, that shows that they're waiving their rights to the money and therefore waiving their rights also to the asham, And so if they don't ask for it then the asham does go to the next who has the money. Tanya idach. Yet a third explanation of the B. Amar Im kayam Asham. Yachzar Kesef Esel Asham. Peshita Hachi itle. He according to this, it says, if the Asham is still around, then whoever has the money, the second one, should give that money to the guy who has the Asham. We ask, isn't that obvious? That's exactly what Rabbi Yuda said. Was Rabbi uh, Rabbi's chidush in in uh, adding this? Uh, there is a kidush because we're talking about a case where the robber gave the asham to yo yariv, and yo yariv didn't ask for the money he should have okay then he gives the he gives the money to yedaya in the next mishmara and yedaya does not ask for the animal so both and they both finished. Both of those mishmarot are done, and neither of them asked. Now, I might have thought, so both of them waived their rights to uh, do the sacrifice and keep the meat and the money, right? Because so, nobody asked for the. They didn't follow up, so therefore they waived their rights, and maybe it maybe. Um, both of them will have to give the the animal and the money to the to someone else to the next Mishmada that's why the Buddha teaches not so um, uh, Since the second one, Yedaya, did not ask for anything So then we go back to the first um, To Yadiv, and then Yoyariv says wakes up and says, oh, oh, he, the second guy didn't ask for the animal uh, I forgot to ask for the money the first time around so they get a second chance and they say, okay You know what? Give us the money and then Yoyariv can offer the sacrifice and they keep the money Um, How do you know, what's the source that you have to bring? The money first, return the keren, and only then you can bring the animal. Look at the order in the Pasuk. Uh, It talks about the asham that is given back. The Hashem refers to the principal, right? And that goes back, that goes to Hashem, it goes to the Kohen. If there's nobody to, if the robber is not around, he died and there's no heirs, it goes to the Kohen. And that's in addition to El Akipurim. So you see that Asham Hashem is given back first. And Eft, only after that, is the Ayel, is the Hashem. So money first. Amad hahu merabanan rava. ola boker musafin beresha a certain uh, a rabbi asks Ravah, this is according to your derivation here, we have a similar phrase, Kippurim, olat is said also regarding a Korban Musaf. So, if you say over here that the milvad means something that comes after, right? Hasham you have to give back the Keren and then milvad El Kipurim and you have to do that besides the Ayil and the Ayil has to come second after the thing that's returned. Well, if we look in uh, regarding Korban Musaf, the um, uh, Pasuk here is, talks about the Musaf offering up here. And then it says, you bring the Musaf That's besides So here also you should say the Musaf has to be offered first and the Korban Tamid afterwards. Because it's the same construction in the Pasuk. So uh, is that what you're saying? Would you agree to that? But we have a this is clearly the Shaharit Tamid offering has to come before first, before everything, certainly before the Musaf. And how do you know that you don't give any offerings before the korban tamid of the morning? The pasuk says that the the fire will be kept burning on the on the mizbeach all the time. The kohen is going to bring the wood every morning, right? That's the he's bring the wood and you will prepare the the burnt offering on it. Which is uh, which is not just any olah, the olah. What do you mean the olah? Which one is that one that's special? It means the first one, the Qurban tamid shel shachar. So we see from here that the korban tamid of the morning is the first thing offered. It has to be before the musaf. But according to your derivation of that midlevad that comes at the end of this pasuk, means that it has to be in that order, right? And uh, you have to have returned the money and then asham. Here also, then you would say first Musaf, and then Korban Tamid, against the B'raita. Amar bo, lo No, I wasn't learning it from the order of the things in the Pasuk, or the word milevad, but rather from the word, asher yechaper bo, at the end of that Pasuk. You see, in other words, you bring the fine and then you also bring the a'il, that will give atonement. Then it's said in future tense, yechaper. In other words, the korban will give atonement only if it's second afterwards. So that's that from this verb that's how you learn that should it be second but there's no similar verb regarding the musaf and therefore there is no problem. The Mishnah says you have to return the principle and give the Yasham offering but the fifth is not necessary uh, for atonement. As long as you give the just the principle, you can bring the asham and get atonement. And the fifth that uh, is also owed, you can pay at a later time. a brighter teaches, how do you know? that if the robber brings the kolba, brings the, keren, the principle, but not the Asham offering, or brings the Asham offering, but not the principle that he does not gain atonement. Because <laughs> it says, El and Asham. El is the Ayil, Asham is the principle that uh, he's giving back, and only then, no. you need both of those. And how do you know that if you bring in Hashem before he brought the Me'ila, that it's no, that's no good. You can't bring the Qurban first, you have to bring the money first, because this is Be'el Ha'ashem, the, the animal. Of the repayment, meaning the repayment is first, right? Bringing the animal after you have already pray, uh, paid, then that's good. The context of this pasuk here in Vayikara is talking about Me'ilah from the Mikdash, not the same cases we were talking about of stealing from someone and lying about it. Uh, but rather uh taking a a bowl from the bet mikdash and uh using it for your own personal uh benefit um and here the punishment is the same you have to return the the keren that you stole that you took misappropriated and um add a fifth also and bring in asham and the laws are the same so we learn from here from uh from from meila we learn that the uh, order is uh, necessary, and you need both of those things. The Beraita continues. Kach now you might think just like you have to bring the ram, and you also have to bring, you have to return the principal. To get atonement, maybe the fifth also is necessary, is required for atonement. Then the same Pasuk, we keep going back to it. It says only the animal and the principal principle, then you're good. Only those two are necessary. The added fifth is not necessary. Now we ask, not ask, clarify. Oh, and now that we know this, we can use these two cases to learn from each other. The law of hektesh—that's the mila that this but I, long beraita was just about—we um, can uh, we can learn the the law of hektesh from hejot. If you steal from a regular person and lie to him, and vice versa, something that we can learn both ways, as follows: hektesh mehejot ma asham hatam keren afasham asham keren. That the word asham means keren. We proved that up above. That the word Asham, even though technically it means a guilt, usually it means guilt offering. But in the context of the hejot of stealing from someone, we prove that the word Asham has to mean the a money, and therefore we know. In this context, that we already assume that Shah means the payment of the principal. Otherwise, we wouldn't know that regarding Me'ilah from hekdesh. and hejot and And we can learn the case of stealing from a regular person from hekdesh. Just like hekdesh, chomesh is not is not needed for atonement. That's what we just proved in this We didn't have a source for that in uh regarding stealing from another person but we can learn it from here so so too since that's true for me'ilah is true for stealing from a regular person also um uh, uh paying the back the fifth is not necessary hazan Allah <laughs> hagozel i we now begin the 10th pedic which is about robbery and a son who inherits a stolen item. Does he have to return it? The Mishnah teaches that if someone steals something and feeds it to his children, so now it's gone, um, or if it's still around but he died, the robber died, and his children inherit it, inherit the item. In either case, the children do not have to return it. The father himself has to return the item, and um, And if he destroyed it, then he still has to return it. But here, it went to his children, so they don't have to return it. The Gamada will explain further. Uh, However, if it was something that can be a guarantee of a loan, meaning land, then the inheritors do have to return it. This is something that sticks around. It can't be destroyed, identifiable. Everybody knows this is that person's land. So the heirs do have to return land. They just don't have to return movable items. Ahmad Avchista. He starts talking about, in general, not just about kids, if a robber steals something and the owner has not despaired of retrieving it. He's still assuming he's still he's going to get it back, so the owner still retains ownership of it. Um, and then a second person came and took it from the first robber and uh, and ate it. So you have a second robber. Now, the owner, since he never despaired of, uh, of, uh, of retrieving it, he can retrieve it from either robber number one or robber number two. Because as long as the original owner has not despaired of retrieving it, it's still his. And therefore, he can take it from the first robber who took it from him or from the second robber who then stole it from that guy. Both of them are responsible, and so whoever is easier to get it from, the owner can go to them and get it. We challenged Avchishtah from our Mishnah, because our Mishnah taught that if someone stole and then he gave it to his sons and his sons ate it, the father's still alive. It's not a case of inheritance. Um, or he left it for them as inheritance they don't have to pay so the first case here is the equivalent of this of the of the case of Rav Chista. one person steals it a second person comes in takes it right so it should be that the owner should be able to retrieve it from either the father or the kids who ate it just like that he can retrieve it from either the first or the second robber um so isn't this a challenge i could answer that this Praetha is talking about after the owner uh sorry the mishnah is talking about after the owner despaired since the owner despaired once you have despair and a change in possession those two things those two things together completely transfer the ownership of the item and so since the owner despaired of getting it back and it wasn't the owner himself so it wasn't the robber himself who ate it but rather it was transferred to someone else's possession either by the kids eating it or by uh, or by inheriting it so now that's it. The uh, owner, the owner cannot get it back. Whereas um, Rav Chista, when he said his halacha, was talking about a case where the owner did not have, uh, um, did not despair. Was assuming he was going to get it back. Since he did not despair, even if someone else takes it and there's a change in um, possession, doesn't matter. The owner can still get it back. The Mishnah continued and said, if he left, if the robber dies and leaves it to his son. The son um, does not have to pay. <laughs> Rami b'alchama zoto Yoresh, Rami b'alchama learns from this that the domain of an heir is the same as the domain of a purchaser. Just like, let's say, the robber uh, sells it to someone. So if it's a movable item and he sells it to someone, that's it. That sale is valid and the owner cannot go after the buyer. So too, the heir is all similar to a purchaser and that's it. Once the father died, and the sons inherit, they are like purchasers, and the owner cannot get it back. Ravah says not so. An heir is not like a purchaser. A purchaser would not have to get it back, but an heir is like an extension of the father, and therefore, just like the father has to give it back, the son actually would have to give it back. And here in the Mishnah, where it says he doesn't have to give it back, is talking about a case where the son who inherited it also consumed it. So now there's nothing to return. So that, that's it. He doesn't, have, he doesn't have a monetary obligation to come up with the money himself from his own pocket. Uh, the father would have, but the son doesn't. And so if the son inherited and, and ate it, and it's, not, it's all gone, then he does not have to return it. But if it's still around, then in fact, the son would have to return it. We're going to challenge the opinion of Ravah because the continuation of the Mishnah says Since it continues and says if it's something that can be a guarantee for a loan meaning land then you have to pay back so that's the land is there and um, and so if the father now we're, right now we're assuming this means that the father stole land and then he dies and it goes to the heirs so he has to pay it back that sounds like we're talking about something that does exist and that means in theresha also it's a it's a stolen item that still exists not where he ate it and yet it says that the um, son does not have to uh, send it to, does not have to give it back even if it still exists challenge to Ravah. Amar Rava Nechasim explains that the reference to land at the end of the Mishnah does not mean it's not a case where the father stole land, but rather if the father had land and bequeathed land to the son, then even if the item that the father stole which went to the son the son ate and is no longer around nevertheless there's a monetary obligation that the father had to pay the robber and that monetary obligation creates a lien on the father's land when the son inherits that land the son has to pay that monetary obligation from the land so yes you're right in a case where the father had land and bequeathed it to the child and then the son has to pay for the stolen item even if the stolen item doesn't exist anymore, however, that's the only the sefer. I was talking about if the father did not have land that he gave over to the heir. In that case, if the item itself uh, exists, then the son has to give it to the o- to the ro- to the owner. However, if the item does not exist and there's no land then he does not have to uh, give anything to the owner um, because this is Rava who says that once there was uh, that once there was Yehush and it goes to the air, that's not a change and so he would have to return an item. That's if the item exists, but if it doesn't exist then there's nothing to return. Hold on, Rabbi who is the purported author of the Mishnah explained to the Shimon, his son, the last line of the Mishnah? And he says, When I said that the son has to pay for guarding something that there is a guarantee about, I didn't mean it literally land that had that can use, be used as a guarantee for a loan. I wasn't talking about that. Rather, I was talking about a cow that he plows with or a donkey that he drives. That's what the robber stole from the from the owner. and that's what he bequeathed to his son. in that case, The father has to return the item because of the honor of the father. Since it's a noticeable item, everybody knows, oh, that's that that other person's cow, and his father stole it. So even if technically the son does not have to return it, since it's going to bring shame to the father, that everybody who passes by is going to say, "Oh, this his father stole that cow." That's why the son has to return those items. That's what the, the uh, that's what the line of land was talking about. What can we see from here? That's only these particular items that the, that the son would have to, is, uh, the son would have to return, but other items the son would not have to return if it's just a lawnmower or just a uh, you know a, a broom and something that's not noticeable that people would not bring shame. He does not have, return, have to return it even if the item is there intact. That seems to be a proof for Rami Badhama, who said once there's yeush and a change and in, uh, in, in, in possession, and he said that inheriting is a change in possession. He doesn't have to return it anymore. It's a challenge to dava who said that um, when someone inherits, that's not considered a change in possession. The inheritor just acts as a continuation of the father. And therefore, there was only Yehush, but no change in possession, and therefore, if the item still exists, then he has to return it. So, how is Rava going to explain our Mishnah according to what Rabbi Yudanasi himself taught Rabbi Shimon? Rava says, I have an answer. Although, He's going to have to follow a different opinion totally uh, in interpreting the Mishnah. He's going to have to reject the Biudanasi's own interpretation of the Mishnah. He says, when I die... Rabbi Oshaya, who was already already uh, uh, died generations ago, he is going to leave heaven and come to greet me. He's going to be so happy ha- happy to see me. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm explaining the Mishnah according to him. I'm going to explain the Mishnah according to Rabbi Oshaya against the opinion of Rabbi Udansi himself. This is quite fascinating that Rabbi, even though he's the author of the Mishnah, uh, nevertheless did not have the only interpretation of the Mishnah. Rabbi Oshaya had his own, but I taught and therefore um, he fit uh, uh, his own own opinion and Rava is going to have the audacity to explain the Mishnah against Rabbi's own explicit explanation and instead fit in Rabbi Oshaya's understanding into the Mishnah. That's why he says Rabbi Oshaya will be so happy that I sided with him against Rabbi about the very Mishnah. So here's the Barayta of Rabbi Oshaya that will agree um, with Rava, And Ravah is going to interpret uh, the Mishnah in this way. Someone who steals and gives it to his sons to eat. Now it's gone, so he does not have to pay. And uh, We're going to explain that. This is talking about when the owner had yeush, So now it's yeush, and it's a change in possession because the sons ate it. So, that's it. He does, they don't have to return it. Uh, if the father died and uh, the son's inherited, if the item is still there, they have to give it back because this is following Rava. Uh, the, uh, this is consistent with Rava that if the item is still there, there's no change in ownership uh for an heir so they have to give it back but if it's not around anymore the sons ate it now it's gone they do not have to return it (laughs) if the father left them of guaranteed property then the sons will have to pay from that property for what their father owed. Even if the item is not around, they still have to pay their father's monetary obligation. So um, uh, this fits with exactly what Ravah said. Um, Amar now we're going to analyze this uh, The B'dayta taught that if the item is not around, then the heirs do not have to pay. But this seems to be a challenge to Rav Hista. remember Rav Hista said, if one person stole an item and then someone else came and took it from the first robber and ate it, then and the owner can go and collect it from either the first robber or the second robber. But here, um, the equivalent should be that the owner should be able to go and take it from the father or he should be able to collect from the uh, heirs, and even if they ate it, he, they, he should be able to collect the money from them, which is just, exactly what Rav says. said. Rav Chistah also so, said when the second robber eats it, still the owner can go and get collect money from him. Rav Chistah says my case of the guy, of the two robbers that was talking about where the owner did not despair. That's why he can still go and take it. Whereas, this baraita this is the same as what Rav Chistah said about the Mishnah. This baraita also also is uh, is assuming that the, uh, the owner already despaired so if he despaired if once there's despair plus it changes hands so then um, uh, there's uh, then the item no longer belongs to the owner and he, that's why he cannot get it back Amar Mor, uh, continuing to analyze this baraita, kayemet chayavin leshalem, if the item is still around, they do have to pay. de Rami bar hama. Rami bar hama said that once um, the, son, the sons inherit it, the inheritance itself is considered a change in, in possession. And so, assuming, like we just said that the Badaita is talking about the where the owner despaired so there's despair and a change in possession so therefore the son should not have to return it even if the item exists But that goes against Rami Bar-Chama, who said that their sons do not have to return it, even if it exists. So Rami Bar-Chama will say that this Braita of Rabbi Oshaya is assuming that there was no um, uh, despair yet. And that's why, even though it was inherited... There, that does not is not change ownership because there was no despair. So therefore, um, in the Speraita, if it exists, it does have to be returned. Rami Bar was talking about a case where there was despair. Rab Ada Bar Ahava Matni Lehad Rami Bar Chama Aha Heneach Lehen Avi Hen Maot Shel Rebait Af Al Pi Sheyodin Shehen Shel Rebait And hayavina chazir. Amar Rami Bar Chama Zot Omeret Rishut Yoresh Kirshut Lo Keach Ada says that the statement of Rami Bar Chama and uh, that of Rava that we saw earlier—that when we applied them to our Mishnah—actually they didn't say it regarding that Mishnah, but rather they said it regarding the following Beraita that says: If a father uh, lent money on interest and he gained, um, he has interest. Illegally, right? He got he lent out a hundred dollars. He got back hundred and fifty. So now he has fifty dollars of illegally uh, acquired funds, and he dies, and he leaves that to his children. Even if the children know that this this money was acquired through uh, interest, that the sons do not have to return it. Uh, that's what the baraita says. Rami Bar said about this baraita. Oh, we can learn from here that the uh, domain of an heir is the same as the domain of a purchaser. Right? Just like if uh, someone um, uh, else purchased that uh, something from this, uh, this, uh, the father, um, they would not have to return it even though it was uh, illegally gotten money. Right? Let's say they sold something to him and they got that money. They wouldn't have to return that money um, because they're a purchaser. That's it. They would get, they would get to keep it. Um, they would not have to give it back. So, too, the heirs are the same as a purchaser, and once it changes hands from a father to son, it's the same as changing hands from a father to a third party. So that explains why they don't have to, why the heirs don't have to return it. Uh, Rava Amar Olam L'av Kirushut Rava disagrees in the, about the principle, even though he, he agrees with this. Um, particular law and he says in general the an heir is not like a purchaser an heir is like uh is like a continuation of the father and whatever the father needed to do the heir would also need to do so here theoretically um if the father had stole here if the father stole something the sons would have to pay it back as we said before up in the mishnah and the application here is if the father um got received interest the sons theoretically would have to return the interest. However, The Law of Interest is an exception. The Pasuk says, Do not take from a person uh, interest or increase. And the Pasuk continues, Fear God, right? So that your brother will live well with you. So this is said to the Father, right? Return it to him so that you can live together nicely. We want you to have a, a continued, good relationship, if you take interest from the guy and now he's going to be resentful and he's going to be added that money and it's going to be even more debt, so then you're not going to live together well, so the Torah tells the father you better return it, but that only applies to the father. But to the son, the Pasuk doesn't say anything about the son having to uh, develop good relations with that borrower and therefore the son does not have to return it. In other words, in general, for stealing you have to return the item, obviously. Um, but for interest, technically, the father would not even have to pay uh, have to give back the interest because the interest is not stolen, right The borrower happily maybe uh entered into that agreement and willingly paid the interest uh, he wanted to. The problem isn't that that isn't the borrower that he's like stealing from that he has to return it to, but rather that the torah simply says interest is not allowed. you have to treat people like like uh, biological brothers. you wouldn't charge interest to your brother, so true, so too, you should treat everybody from the nation in the same way, and therefore you return it to have good relations. But although the son, that applies to the father, but that does not apply to the son. So Ravah agrees that the heirs do not have to pay back the interest, but he disagrees regarding um, if it's a stolen item. Ravah said before, if right when we applied it to the Mishnah, that once it changes hands, uh, the heirs do not have to return it, whereas Ravah said the sons are continuation of the father and therefore they do have to return it. My now, Rav Adabar Ravada Hava, who applied Rami Bar statement to the Braita, Kol Matnitin, would say, for sure, that applies to the Mishnah also, right? He said that Reshut Yodesh, and so in the case of an inherit of, of interest. Once it changes hands, it's like, uh, it's like a buyer who doesn't have to return that money, so too uh, heirs don't have to return it. And that would be the, a good explanation of the Braita also, um, that is the father stole something um, and then he dies, the sons do not have to return it, even if it exists because they are uh, like a buyer, and a buyer does not have to return it. So, if you say it regarding case of interest, all the more so you'd say it regarding the Mishnah, uh, that they do not have to return it. However, Um, if you apply it to the Mishnah, as we did before, would not agree with Rav Adabar Rava that this applies to the Braitha also because Rav Valchama could very well agree with Rava that the reason why the heirs do not have to uh, pay back the interest isn't because they are like purchasers even without that reason. It's a simpler reason, which is Rava's reason, because um, really no one has to pay back interest that they take. Even the father technically wouldn't have to pay back interest. It's not stolen. The borrower willingly gave it. Just the father, the Torah says, listen, have a good relationship with the person you borrowed from. Return the item so you can live together as brothers. But that only applies to the father. The son has no obligation in the first place to uh, to, uh, return the interest. And so you don't need Rami Bar Hama's explanation for the Braita in the same way that you do need Rami Bar Hama's explanation for the Mishnah. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen amen